1: Thank you for your presence today. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yet all too often, we choose to believe and rely more on what we see and hear rather than the hope and evidence we have in God and His Word. There is a purpose for everything God allows. Whether blessing or trial, steadfastly contending for our faith is spiritually fulfilling in ways we cannot imagine. Listen closely with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us. We pray that you would
0: just use me, your servant, to preach a timely word this day to the glory of your name. Help us to be still and not be distracted so that we will receive all that you have for us. May your word do much, accomplish much as we yield to its authority and speaking into our lives. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Well, we left off uh, with the book of Jude. It's a small epistle, which is a letter. It is near the end. As a matter of fact, if you turn your Bible toward the end, you'll find it just before the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It is small as it relates to the length of the book itself, but it is potent and powerful when it comes to the content and the substance. Even though small, it is very relevant to the times in which we live. And we'll be particularly looking at the third and the fourth verses in the book of Jude. And there, beloved, are these words, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend Earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's children said. Amen. And from these verses, we want to preach contend for the faith. Repeat after me. Contend Contend. for the faith. faith. Thank you. After Jude's greeting to the church, he purposed to write on the believer's common salvation and all the things that we share in common as saints. And this particular epistle is written to believers. It was written uh, because of the apostasy and the false doctrine and the heretical false teachers that had truded and crept into the, the church and wreaking havoc in the Lord's church. So Jude here uh, diverts from writing about the things we share in common because of being in Christ and His attention is arrested by the spirit on addressing the issue of apostasy and the destructive, damnable teachings that's being uh, put out amidst the flock. To contend is to earnestly fight for the faith. It is to strive in the faith. It is to stand firm on what we believe about God's word and about God himself. And so it is real critical that we uh, grab this book to heart, apply its principles, so we won't be caught drifting or be deceived out of the faith or drawn into regression because of damnable heretical teachings and the influence of those who are satanically energized to disrupt the fellowship of, of God. So if our aim is to win the fight to protect the doctrinal purity of the church, uh, then we must do something. This book is very special to me. I love the, the words of the book because it is divinely inspired by God. It is from God. As a matter of fact, it's the only book God ever wrote. And so our aim ought to be to win the fight. But you got to first, first of all, realize that you are in a warfare. It is a spiritual warfare. As a matter of fact, the war started in heaven. When Lucifer rose up and wanted to exalt himself above the throne of God, got beside himself. He got kicked out with a third of a third of of the angelic hosts who became uh, not no longer were angels of light. They became angels of darkness. They fell, and we see them even operating in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And so we are in a warfare, and the battle is for your soul. God wants your soul. Satan wants your soul. And guess what? You determine who gets your soul. The battle is not only for your soul, but it's for your minds. God wants your mind. Satan wants your mind. And guess who determines who gets your mind? You do. Your mind, your soul is a battlefield for spiritual warfare. And uh, we hope that you yield yourself to Jesus Christ in such a way that you can live the victorious Christian life. If our aim is to win the fight to protect the doctrinal purity of the church, then number one, we must grow up. Say grow up. up. Uh, For spiritual babies have a tendency of eating uh, what could ultimately destroy them. And that's why God wants us us to grow up. 1 Peter 2 2 says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. And pastors are ultimately responsible for the spiritual diet of the Lord's church. And if if the pastor is weak in his theological perspective, if he doesn't have theological convictions, uh, if he don't have strong positions when it comes to uh, the integrity of scripture, then the church is going to be weak. Uh, The pulpit is actually the barometer of the church. A hot pulpit, hot church Lukewarm pulpit, lukewarm church. Cold pulpit, cold church. And so the, actually the pulpit is the thermostat that regulate the temperature of the church. Why don't you say amen? And you have come here not to get dessert or not to, not to just eat to be eaten. You want to eat some meat. In order to have meat, you got to have some teeth to chew into the meat. We are Maranatha Bible Church. We cut it straight. We do not play. You don't come here and get dressed up for me to play with you. As a matter of fact, the word of God, the times in which we live are too serious for you to be getting a custard diet of sweets. It's too serious for you to come here and be pampered uh, to, uh, to stroke you with a feel good message. That'll feel good you right on into hell. <laughs> Why don't you say Amen? amen. So you got to grow up to eat. My, I have three grand boys, uh, and they're uh, the young one, the oldest of which is six, and all the rest of them are they're quite young. And one of them, little uh, Joshua, uh, he, 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 he wants uh, to put everything in his mouth, if you let him. And then is even worse, because he's walking all over the place. We have to stop him from getting to the dog food. He'll grab it, and if you don't watch it, he'll put that in his mouth. He'll put toilet water. He'll do it. He'll, he's a baby. He said, ooh, how you can do that? He has no sense of consciousness. It's just, and it's going straight to his mouth. And most of our time is trying to keep foreign substance, substance that don't belong in his mouth, out of his mouth. But you know, we have to feed them and make sure that they uh, are fed. But now if you're 20 years old, 30 or 40, and somebody's spoon feeding you unless you're physically challenged, something is still is seriously wrong. Or uh, If you're 30 or 40 years old still saying, I want Gerber, baby food, instead of saying give me some steak and some potatoes and some rice and some yams and some collard greens. I think I'll stop right there. Something is wrong when you want Gerber over collard greens. Why don't y'all say amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so so but but you got to grow up in order to eat. I'm responsible for teaching you I labor intensively. I got up four o'clock this morning working on the word of God, my feet hit the floor early, and I'm all the way through the day, I'm always constantly chewing and internalizing and digesting because you matter to me. I have to give an account of what you are fed. I'm gonna tell you something too. Sheep go where they are fed. <laughs> Now, if there's no feed in the trough, sheep are going to wander every which way and they're going to wander off. But if that pastor is putting some good meat in the spiritual trough, you don't have to worry about somebody stealing my sheep. No, they're going to say, No, I want to be right there because I'm getting fed. Won't you say amen? Uh, number two, if our aim is to win the fight to protect the doctrinal purity of the church, then it's, in, it's critically important that we study and know the scripture for ourselves you got to study and know it for yourself. Uh, it's one thing for me to feed you, but better by far if you can learn to feed yourself. It's one thing for me to feed little Asher now, or uh, uh, little Joshua now, but there's another, but how delightful it is when he can take that spoon and put it to his own mouth and chew his own food. <laughs> Uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Second Timothy 2.15 says, study to show thyself approval to God. A workman needeth not be ashamed. Rightly, which means accurately dividing the word of truth. And you got to study. Do you love the word so much that you get up early to get in it? Or do you Or do you love television so much that you you, you cut it on? Uh, perhaps you don't even cut it off. It was on when you went to bed the night before. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you, you ought to, when you really love the word, you can't wait to get in it. As a matter of fact, you, you want a dose of it for lunch And you want a dose of it uh, when you're going through trials You want a dose of it in the evening time Because you can't get enough Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness It is the word And God don't want us to be impoverished within the word of God He wants us to be rich in the word of God In the times in which we live
1: We walk by faith and not by sight And faith grows as we study and meditate on God's word, fast, pray without ceasing, and look to God who knows all, hears all, and sees all. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will lead us, guide us, protect us, provide for us, and strengthen us. No matter what the world does, through the indwelling Holy Spirit, God is always with us. As his children, God keeps us first by fighting for us every second of every day. That makes our faith worth fighting for. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. Number three, do not jeopardize your spiritual
0: life by placing a higher priority on denomination, church tradition, family roots, and friendship over the supremacy of scripture. Now that's a big one. I, I, let me park there a bit. Do not jeopardize your what? Spiritual life by placing a higher priority on denomination, church tradition, family roots, of, and friendship over the supremacy of Scripture. In other words, the word of God ought to reign supreme over all these aforementioned things. Uh, for example, denomination. Some denominations, some people are committed more to the denomination than they are Christ. And you're there, oh, my dad has been a Baptist, I've been a Baptist, my great grandma, I can't leave here because I'm a diehard Baptist. But you can go to hell from a Baptist church, you can go to hell from an Episcopal church, or, uh, a Presbyterian church, a non denominational church. It is, listen, your, your church attendance alone can't save you. You got to have God in you in the church. So if you committed more to the domination than you are Christ, then you're going to be left down and left hanging because if you're in a denomination and you're there because that's just your way of worship and but but it's grown cold and the truth is no longer there. The people aren't hot. hot, The things that are anti-biblical are going on there that is not right with God, then you need not stay there for the sake of denomination. If you just got to be in in that denomination, go find a denomination just hot and right with God and then move over there if you just got to be in that particular denomination. Why don't you say amen? Amen. Or some people, uh, some saints, uh, they're, they're more committed to church tradition than they are uh, their relationship with Christ. You know, things got to be done a certain way. There has to be a certain order, a certain protocol, a certain type of etiquette. And if it's not done that way at that particular moment, at that particular time, then we have not not worship. Listen, tradition is not what God is calling for. God wants you. God wants to put relationship above tradition. You can adhere to traditional things, and tradition can be a good thing. But you know what? You can be so committed to a tradition that God has left that a long time ago because the spirit in that church is not right. Matter of fact, some churches, it's just form and fashion. It's what we do. And you can be gone three months, and you come back. You know at that time, at that hour, at that second exactly what they're doing. And so you go through this routine and think you have worship because you've gone through a particular format, and yet you haven't had an intimate, personal uh, worship experience and exalting the name of Jesus. And then some people stay in church because of family roots. Say family roots. Oh, I gotta stay at this church. Now, I don't like the preacher, and the choir can't sing, and the, uh, and the words not there. But I can't leave because my mama, my great granny, and my great aunt Tutu and Cuckoo was here. And so you stay there out of uh, a commitment uh, to family tradition. Let me tell you something. If God, the presence of God is not at that church, if it is not a healthy, well balanced church, if the glory of God is not manifested in that church, if you don't sense the presence of God, the move of God and not impacted by the word of God, you need to get the hell out of there. (laughs) Why don't you say amen? I mean, you got to get out there because your soul is too valuable. Your, your children are too valuable. Time is too critical. Satan is too busy for you to be stuck there because of Grandma Lula. And then some of you go to church because your friends are there. I blow. My my friend brought me here. My sorrow brought me here. My fraternity brought me here. My whomever brought. I'm here, and uh, because they're here, and you can worship when they're here. But when they're not here, you can't even worship. Then you become. To idolize that person who brought you there. Listen, you ought not be here because, uh, now it's a good thing for a friend to bring you here, but listen, after that, you ought to be here because the glory of God is here. The presence of God is here. The word of God is here. The peace of God is here. You, you get, you get hope here. Uh, you, you are helped here. You are blessed here. You know what I believe, you know, you know what so mysteriously incomprehensible when we think in terms of the rapture. The rapture church will come and the church will be snatched from time to eternity in the midst, in the presence of God. And there will be still folk here having church when the true church is already gone. The, the spirit of God's not here. They're just going through the motion and God is up there rejoicing with the true church in heaven. They're still down here having a false church and don't even know they're false. We're getting quiet now, but that's deep. But it's very, very real. You're not, you're not here because your boyfriend is here, your girlfriend is here, your business client is here. Matter of fact, you don't come to church to make deals either. Amen. I'm not. You can be an entrepreneur, have an entrepreneurial spirit and all that, but you're not here to just pass your business card and cut deals and try to get to know you. No, you're here to meet Jesus. Put those cards down. Put all that stuff down and pick up your Bible. Some folk bring a business card to church and won't even open their Bible. I say turn to Jude. You can't because you don't have a Bible. If you don't bring your Bible to church, you're not going to bring it anywhere else. If our aim is to win the fight to protect the doctrinal purity of the church, beloved, uh, we must give. Number four, give our best effort and nothing less for the cause of Christ. Nothing but our best, and God will accept nothing less but our best for the cause of Christ. Oh, we give our best for a lot of earthly causes and human causes, and we give our, we shout hard for the Spurs and shout hard for the Super Bowl, and oh, scream and holler to folk that can't even hear you, and they didn't wake you up this morning. They didn't start you on your way. Won't you say amen? Amen. You give your best trying to win the lottery and all that stuff and can't even tithe on the Lord's day. Give our best effort and nothing less for the cause of Christ is what God is calling for in these last days. Number five. If you're going to fight the good fight of faith, you need to fight passionately. You need to fight vigorously and you need to fight strenuously passionately, vigorously, strenuously, sadly, many saints are so consumed with the pleasures of this world that they have lost their will to fight. We are in a spiritual warfare. We ought to have on the whole arm of God, the, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, peace, boots of peace, the belt of righteousness, all of, all of that we ought to have on because we are in spiritual combat, which means we need to be combat ready to the glory of God. We come in here. I use the analogy in the eight o'clock service. I used a boxing analogy. Uh, they they fight one round and then they go and get in the corner and they get water all in their mouth and they put little medicine and put stuff over, put salve over the cut and all that, and then the bell ring. And then they back out there, and they fight again. And then that bell a sound, and they go back to that corner, and they are wiping them down and getting them ready, and that bell will ring again, and they back out there it again. Do you realize right today, even this moment, you are in the ringside corner? All week you've been fighting and dealing with that devil. You've been dealing with issues. You've been dealing with trials. You've been dealing with heartache. You've been dealing with that crazy coworker. You've been dealing with that supervisor. You've been dealing with that husband. You've been dealing with that child that's driving you crazy. And then the then the bell. You come here and the bell say, Aah! and then you come in here and you get refreshed and you get blessed and you get courage and you get edified and you get pumped up and you get blessed up and then. Aah! you go back out there and you start fighting the good fight of faith and then you come back in here get your corner get your refreshment and then you go back out to fight the good fight of faith. Won't you say amen? But you gotta fight and you can't fight until you know you're in a fight and you're not gonna win if you're not dressed for the fight. Number six, if you're going to contend you have to have an undivided allegiance to Christ in the fight. If you're going to contend, you have to have an undivided allegiance to Christ in the fight. You cannot fight until the Lord has first place in your life. An undivided allegiance. Some of y'all can't fight because you have choked on your pleasure. You have choked. But let me tell you something. Your pleasure is not God's priority. You ought to write that down. Your pleasure is not God's priority. I'm not saying you can't golf. I'm not saying you can't go to the mall. I'm not saying you can't go fishing. I'm not saying you can't go see the spurs. It's all right. But when you're consumed and when you're antsy, because you can't see Dancing with the Stars and your reality show and you'll judge this and you'll judge that. And I won't say if watching the view I talked about the view, what are you, why are you viewing that stuff for? All that secular humanism, no good junk, and y'all cut the television on when you could be feeding your own soul. And so what I'm saying to you, you got to have an undivided allegiance if you're going to win the fight. You got to be committed to Jesus Christ and him alone all by himself. You got to love Jesus more, you got to love him more than yourself. Every day you are decreasing and he is increasing. You gotta love God more than money. You gotta love God more than your husband. As a matter of fact, he the one gave you your husband or your wife. You gotta love him more than your child. You gotta love him more than anything. And then you begin to see victory because of your unwavering love to him. Number seven, know the strategies of Satan if you're going to if you're going to fight a good fight. You got to know the strategies of Satan, which are designed to resist the advancement of the gospel at any cost. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to resist the gospel at any cost. He hates the propagation and the advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ. And he would do anything to interfere or disrupt the plan of God. What are some of his satanic strategies so you can be aware of Satan, Satan's and his demonic host strategies? Number one, he sows tares among God's wheat. That's what he does. Matthew 13, 24 through 25 says, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man uh, who sowed good seed in, in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Every church has tares, including this one. Matters not how small it is, how big it is, how spiritual it is, there are tares, there are tares there because Satan always shows up because he wants to disrupt the fellowship, put tares in the flock to discourage you or to discredit you or to hopefully run you away. Jesus had a tear in his ministry by the name of Judas. He only had 12 and had a tares. Now, if he had one with 12, this church is over 1,400 members. You know, there's more than 12 tares here. And, they, and I'm gonna tell you something, Satan's attendance is better than yours. He's here when you're not here. He has great attendance. He's great attendance. Say, listen, Satan, Satan's not picking, worrying about the bars and the strip joints and the pornography shop, and the tattoo shop. He's not worried about that. He already got them. He comes to the house because he got some prospects here. And he wanna make, and and, and he has his host here, and he wants to make he comes to make sure those who are his here won't get one to Christ to keep them exclusively to Satan. You see? And some of y'all are buying into the tares. The wheat, and the Bible says, let the wheat and tares grow together. And when Jesus comes, he's gonna do some separating. Number two. What's another strategy of the enemy? Uh, He perverts the word of God, and this is done by a taking it out of context to take this bible out of context in other words you are saying what the scripture is not saying that's taking it out of context and that leads to b when you take the scripture out of context that leads to misinterpretation of the scripture to say what the text is saying is exegesis. It is actually explaining what the text says. To read into the text and to say what the text is not saying, that is called eisegesis. And you want to do exegesis, exegetical teaching and not and, and preaching and, and all of these good things and not isogism and teachings and all that kind of stuff. Eisegesis. And so with that being said, you, you, you got to know the word and you got to, as you look at the word, you have to read this word in its grammatical, historical, cultural context in order to know the word of God. You got to know what was going on during that time, in that era, in that culture. Why was, to whom, was what audience was he addressing? Why was he saying what he was saying? You got to look at that, you have to look at all of that and factor all that in because if you don't, listen, you have to read the scripture and you can't get an interpretation just on one reading. You got to read the passage and read the passage and read and before you read, you got to really Ask God to open up the scriptures through the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God give you the illumination from the Word of God. You understand what I'm saying? It light. what you illumination. He said, What is illumination? It is enlightenment. The Spirit of God will open your mind up to truths yet to be discovered that are actually pregnant with truth. But you got to linger around the word, hang in the word, and let the word begin to speak like only
1: it can do. Contending for our faith is worth the fight against Satan's tricks of his trade. He won't stop trying to circumvent our faith. Therefore, we must keep God first in all we do to resist him. We must be steadfast in exercising our authority in the name of Jesus to thwart Satan's efforts. We will be the recipients of God's perfect plan for each of us if we contend for the faith, or we will suffer the dire consequences.